Welcome to the Inside the Eight podcast with your hosts, Jamie Monroe and Colleen McGarity. This podcast is dedicated to all things women's lacrosse. We will break down top games of the week, discuss coaching strategies, and lacrosse recruiting. We will even bring in some of the game's top coaches and players as special guests. And now, here are your hosts, Jamie and Colleen. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Inside the Eight podcast with Colleen McGarity. Really excited to be back for episode number two. And Colleen, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Happy to be back. I said yeah. I was getting a lot of love on the podcast this weekend in the lacrosse world. So um, I love happy it. to get going with episode two. I'm looking forward to it as part of my week. No doubt. I mean, it's just so great that we're just deciding to record the conversations that we would have been having anyway. Right. Yeah. We just hit a little button and now I got people part of our combo. <laughs> It's sweet. All right, so let's. Um, I want to dive right into what you're up to with your Penn Charter program right now. You guys start practice, I think, next week. We start in Thunder Ridge Lacrosse uh, in two weeks. What are you doing right now with your team to kind of get them ready in this preseason? So we've been doing – we have some rules and regulations on, like, what you can do with them in the offseason. So I've just been doing wall ball with them twice a week, but really trying to, like, challenge the wall ball do different things btbs like you know left right everything just so they get okay with like these aren't necessarily tricks anymore you should be comfortable and great with your stick so that's the number thing one thing we can control without being out on the field is how many reps you're going to get on the wall and little things like that and hopefully they're staying in shape because i'm a huge fitness person as well they they all fear my fitness test but i'm like it's part of our sport and it gets you prepared um what is your yeah. fitness test uh, I change it up. I try and keep them on their toes so they don't know exactly what it's going to be. I think we're in, and I told them though right now I'm thinking that it's going to be the Manchester, but we'll also do um, six three hundreds and we might do ten one twenties. They just don't know what is going to come first, so I don't like them overthinking it. So I just be like, hey, it's happening. Deal with it and just attack it <laughs> and get in shape. Yep. Awesome. We. Um, We've been doing a steady diet of pickup games with our little guys. Nice. And we had a we had no surprise. Awesome, <laughs> we had no surprise. We had an awesome session last night. We had one hour in an indoor facility. The weather's been terrible out here in Denver, um, in the sense that it's there's snow everywhere. We got snow again last night. I'm so really? over it. Oh man. I mean, it was a beautiful day this you know, last few days, but it was there's snow everywhere. So you just can't go out on the turf. Yeah. You can't do anything. So we got a little bit of indoor time. And we had a we had a four v four game with a goalie in it with a three and a half by three and a half net, and then mm -hmm. two four on four games that became an all time four on three because one girl had to hop in the net. Right. And it was like it was a king of the it was a king of the hill model. So if you win, you move up. If you lose, you go down. You shuffle sticks every time. It was varsity and JV mixed together, um, and uh, it was total blast. That's great. Yeah, I'm doing a little clinic on Saturday. Gonna have all my hall, my returning varsity players there, and I was hoping to end with a little three by that the little girls can watch the girls play, and that's me getting them some extra reps before we start on Monday too. Totally, no doubt. Yeah. Well, um, let's change the focus here to talking a little bit about Division One women's lacrosse, um, and as usual, the games that you are uh, watching are friends and family. Um, mm -hmm. So. Uh, Tell us about your trip to um, the Michigan-USC game and, and what that game was like and some thoughts on that. Yeah, so we get to hear from the head coach of Michigan later on on this uh, podcast, but went out to the Michigan-USC game. Awesome to see Hannah and Adam and Anna, the Michigan coaching staff, and then also on USC you have Lindsay Monday, who coached me at Northwestern, with Deemer and Katie. So two great staffs, two great teams. Uh, a beautiful day of just lacrosse. It was fun to just be out there in sunny, sunny California sunshine out there. Um, it was a battle, very, very close the whole entire time. Michigan honestly was in the lead and in control majority of the game. We'll get the actual stats from Hannah later, but I believe they won the draw controls 11 and 9. Wow. It just shows you how important the draw is. USC got those last couple and scored two at the end. To, make it 10-8 and hold on to the win. Um, I mean, Kelly always said it to us in Northwestern, but, like, you win the draw, you rule the world. I mean, there's nothing nothing worse than getting that go-ahead goal and then winning the next draw. 
yeah. you know, and now you have it in your possession. So they were able to capitalize at the end, put two shots away. Um, USC ran a zone. Michigan did a really good job of being – they're very disciplined. So they moved the ball well. Um, when they had their opportunities, they scored. And uh, they did a great job of, you know, working in pairs and finding those seams in the middle to get a great shot off of. And USC had a lot of really cool outside looks, um, as we just chatted a little bit ago about your training model on the JM3 Sports videos, a lot about those wind-ups, outside shots. USC demonstrates that a lot. It's fun to see these girls really shooting from the outside. I think two of their last goals were probably right around the eight. Just rips, you know, top dodges, roll back, rip those shots. Um, you would really like this one by Aaron Bakes. You just a little move, top side, switched her hands, ripped a righty shot from right atop of the 12. And then I think it was Izzy McMahon, a little flip, came off at lefty, ripped an outside, hard shot. So it's really fun to watch the girls evolve to be able to shoot from out far and take those type of was USC uh, running similar, the similar stuff that they've run in the past? Deemer class, their offense coordinator, played at Duke, uh, also plays for PLL Chaos. Um, and uh, he runs some really cool looks that are very similar to what they used to run at Duke with their pairs looks. Um, and a lot of the little plays, the RV360, you know, spin fake and all this stuff, it's really cool to sort of see it being transposed. Um, how would you characterize what they were doing? Yeah, 100%. Like, they, they're just skilled. And they, they play with a sense of, like, swagger. They have, you know, great hands, really confident in those type of looks where you can tell that they practice them. You know what I mean? They're getting those reps at practice with Deemer, and um, it just comes natural to them rather than, like, setting up, a, you know, an uncomfortable look. They look very smooth and confident with it. And um, they've got really good hands and just a really good – IQ on the offensive end that's fun to watch yep. probably due to Lindsay and Deemer yeah and then USC's run zone for years it's mm -hmm. like a rover type of zone where one player's in the middle picking up cutters and and they pack it in around the eight and it seems like there's going to be open stuff in there but there's not but then again sometimes they pressure at x and sometimes they don't how are they playing it this week yeah you're right on it they weren't they were letting them kind of settled down behind the net they weren't pressuring too much pressuring a little bit when they felt they could anticipate and step up there but they've got their zone down um their communication was on point but like you just said there was times where if you just slip at the right time on type in that type of against that type of zone you get a pretty wide open look so there's definitely some breakdowns and some areas where i think they need to improve when they keep playing these better teams they got bc coming up this week um where you just have to make sure – we mentioned this last week – you're on a zone, you need to buy in and communicate together because you can get easily think you're passing someone off. Yeah. If that person doesn't hear, you're letting someone be wide open right in the middle. It's so crazy trying to coach zone sometimes <laughs> because you're trying to, like, teach people how to do it, but they're, it's just never the same. And right? it really requires this level of – almost like fluency on defense where the, the kids begin to kind of know how to do it, even when it's different. Than <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so hard to coach sometimes last year. I didn't do it too much, but I'll do it this year with my high school team. Cause I said, we're more athletic and just a, just another level up. But sometimes you're just like, just figure it out. Just do it. Like, you know what I mean? You don't even know how to like, I'm like, you're in the right spot. Just trust your gut instinct. Like coaching that zone is just an intuition type of thing where you just need to have that, that sense where that's a really hard thing to like, describe in words to yeah someone it's kind of nice when you pressure like Syracuse I was just watching some Syracuse film from their Stony Brook game and from I think their Binghamton game and they pressure like crazy on their zone similar to what Stony Brook does which mm. is kind of nice because then your backer or your rover or whatever can be outside the eight no problem and it's yep. it, 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 it it's harder to feed against pressure but when you start getting into these softer zones which I really experimented with last year with pressure and playing softer. And they, they're really hard to crack. But the hardest thing to, I think, contend with is the double cut, the dreaded double cut. Because yeah. if they cut once to the backside, your rover has to go with that cutter. They're going to get three seconds. Yeah. And now they can cut to the ball side. And, and who's going to pick up that cut? And that's the hardest part. Did you see it's much fun to watch um offenses pick it apart as well like a cut with a hesitation like you might leave 
but then you might kind of just stop. So they think they're handing someone off, you know, just getting those attackers to be smart with finding those seams is fun to watch both sides of it. Just like, you know, watch them evolve through the game. Like they're starting to learn how to, what side to cut on, what's going to get them more turned off. Like, yeah. So it was, it's, you know, it's a fun part of the sport for women's lacrosse. That's changing to watch each weekend. A lot of these teams playing zones. It really is. Well, I'm going to let uh, Coach Nielsen, when she comes on later, talk more about Michigan. Why don't we uh, move on to this Hopkins-Loyola game that you saw? Loyola, uh, you mentioned they picked apart Hopkins' zone. You got some former Triple H players or, or Penn Charter players in there. Tell us about the game and, and, and some of the highlights of the, of the Yeah, season. that game was fun to watch. Really good to see. Emily Wills had a great game. Um, lefty, attacker. She just played with such confidence. She worked her butt off with me this summer and just came in and earned that starting position as a freshman. I think she just got Rookie of the Week for the Patriot League. Wow. From what I saw of that game, they did a great job with the cutters against Hopkins Zones. They were just hitting people left and right, coming down the middle, but did an amazing job of engaging the defense so the people behind them, the wings, really drove hard to engage, you know, that they might be going, getting a couple of – defense um slides and hedging over then to just have those cutters from up top and they were just able to really just get some wide open looks and on the opposite end their goalie played unbelievable i was actually texting with emily after the game she said her goalie was wearing her triple h emily's triple h long sleeve i was like oh nice it was good luck (laughs) um she she crushed it some huge stops Katie Detweiler, another Philly girl, played awesome on defense. So many ground balls. They pushed the pace. They looked for the fast break. Then they had a great IQ of to, you know, hit that slow break and then really wait for a wide-open opportunity. That's awesome. How was Loyola playing defense against Hopkins? Loyola was going a pressure. Um, I just – they actually caused them to create a lot of frantic four shots in transition – Hopkins wasn't in a settled offense much of the part of the game I watched. It was like they came down, forced it in the middle, took a bad shot, and Loyola was able to not let them get any second opportunities. So it was Hopkins on the offensive side seemed frantic, and that was maybe caused by Loyola's pressure and the way that they made them think there were open opportunities, but there wasn't much settled defense from what I saw of the second half where they, Loyola really ran away with the game. So they were pushing transition, trying to make plays in early. Yeah, probably you're down. I mean, that's what you do. You're down by five or six goals. They're trying to get a shot off. Loyola had some high pressure from the beginning, really rode hard. Um, They were all, you know, man-to-man when they're coming down especially, and then caused them to force a bad shot, leading, you know, a transition the other way for Loyola and never really letting – Hopkins never really seemed to get in a groove. Yeah, reverse transition. Yeah. Too. So if you come down on transition offense and you turn it over, take a bad shot, it's coming right back down your throat. And it's exactly uh, brutal. Yeah, no, it's fun to watch. And like I said, that goalie just crushed it. They would just come down, rip shots and transition that weren't really the best looks. We talked a lot about the alley dodges that were just coming down righty side, not best angle. And then goalies making big saves, getting big ground balls. And Leola really sealed that win. So you watched the uh, Northwestern-Notre Dame game on Friday night? Watched that on my phone, second half in L.A. Um, actually, was watching it with Hannah. Um, uh, you know, that looked like an awesome, fast-paced game for the most part. I only saw the last, like, 20 minutes uh, when I was getting exciting. I saw an unbelievable goal by, I think, her Katie Rowe, taking an end-to-end defender, came all the way down sealing that uh two goal uh lead that Notre Dame had that was a dagger but Northwestern had their opportunities yeah like we just talked about end of the game it seemed to me that they played a little bit frantic and started to force some you know I saw Izzy one time come down and just force in the middle where she should have just ripped it like you know what I mean just some decisions at the end where pressure gets to a lot of kids and you're not used to it yet they're also I feel like Northwestern is so talented right now that they're just used to scoring every time they score. And I think it it might be more less about being nervous and more about like, what do you mean? I I shouldn't shoot this shot or feed. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're putting up insane numbers. They scored 24 goals on Duke. 
you mm-hmm. know, scoring 20 goals and a half. Now, granted, they've played some some subpar competition, but you know, I think they would say they didn't they didn't play their smartest or their best, and they still put up what 16 goals or something. For sure, yeah, no, they played very fast and athletic. I mean, they are just dynamic. You don't know who to step up on against them, like we talked about um, McCone. She's you know a killer out there, and Brennan Dwyer clearly had an amazing weekend on the draw wow. and. Yeah, that kid is the best. I, she's my favorite player on the team, Brandon. Really? Yeah, she's I remember her when she was playing games when I was when I was playing. She's been a yeah. a cat fan for life. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, really interesting though when you look at the you know back, real quick back to Michigan USC versus these Northwestern games. The 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 score is, was ten eight final right, and we're mm-hmm. looking at generally we're looking in women at, at in women's lacrosse really high scoring games, and I think it's going to continue to get higher. Yeah, uh, I think average scores aren't going to be 10, eight. They're going to be more like 2018 or at least 18, 16. Well, how was that? Was that defense just so good in that game? Do you think those teams are going to be able to hold down these high scoring teams too? Both goalies played really, really well. So there were a lot of second or third opportunities. You know what I mean? And then if not going down the other way, save going down. So then, they started to settle it down to, you know, give the girls some rest, but there was many times where possessions where shot clock was reset, reset, you know, so it was just a lot of settled attack and defense. And then there were some turnovers through the midfield in transition early in the season. Yeah. Some silly ones. Michigan does an amazing job on the ride. Um, so does USU. They're both hardworking teams. So it just seemed like, if it wasn't a turnover in the midfield and transition, there was a lot of very big goalie stops on both sides. And I actually said that to Hannah. I was like, your goalie played unbelievable. It's actually their second string goalie that uh, their first string got hurt last week and she stepped up and she's doing a great job. Yeah. Huge. Interesting. Well, I um, got a chance to watch a replay of the Maryland Florida game last night. Um, And um, I watched, I watched the whole thing. I fast forwarded through some of the dead times. So that's kind of the nice part about replays, but, sure. but I, I watched every goal and I watched all the important possessions. And um, first of all, you know, congrats to Florida. I mean, amazing, but congrats to Maryland. I mean, they won for seven straight years. It was a home, home game. game win streak. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I know. Um, I actually caught up with one of my players, Becky Brandorf, a starting defender right now for Florida. And she had two big cause turnovers. I was just excited to see her name on the Twitter feed. And I was like, tell me about it. What happened? Like, how was the game? She said that they did an amazing job of just buying into their game plan. They played man to man defense, just standard. They pressure here and there, but just really stuck to the game plan. And on offense, she said, they just, you know, bought into what their scout was. They're going to do a lot of ISO plays and just standard. I was like, anything tricky, you guys do anything for this? Like a huge game. She goes, they just really bought into the fundamentals of just like, scoring off dodges, hitting the, hitting the passes when they're open and not forcing anything. And it seems to me like they played with composure when it came down to the end and came up with some big ground balls, big draws. They really help you seal that win, especially against a talented team like Maryland. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, my, uh, my take on this game was, uh, first of all, early season, like, like usual, I think Maryland is still going to be very good. Uh, they're still mm-hmm. very athletic. I, I liked the shots that they were getting. Um, Florida did do a really good job of playing tough one-on-one defense against them. Um, And um, I I think a big difference in the game really is the graduation of Maryland's first team All-American goalie who was a Toraton winner because they didn't get saves the same way. Um, Particularly in the first half. The second half, I give Florida all the credit on the shots they were taking. I liked all of them. They had – they had players, you know, that they had this one. Um, Girl, yeah, Kavanaugh had eight goals. Kavanaugh, she was yeah. phenomenal coming yeah. from behind the net. She was off the charts um, in the second half. Um, they had a lefty who made a lot of nice plays coming from her natural side, getting underneath, gaining angle. Yeah. In the first half, they scored a bunch of alley dodges. And like we talk about, the, the stats will tell you that alley dodges are a lower percentage, but they went in. I think yeah. some of those shots – you know, there's probably five alley dodge goals, uh, two or three lefty, two or three righty in the first half that I think Maryland probably like to have those. And, and, they, mm-hmm. and, and um, but in the second half, when 
you know, the rubber hits the road and you got to we'll go win a game. Florida started really playing with better efficiencies and it was pretty fun to watch. And that Kavanaugh girl is amazing. Maryland missed a lot of eight meter attempts um, and um, Florida nailed theirs. And I'm, yeah. I'm guessing that's where Kavanaugh got a few of her goals. She definitely got a bunch of them coming from behind the net. Right. Um, but it's still early in the season. I don't know who everybody is yet. So I was I just kind of watching and enjoying it, um, not rewinding too, too much. Um, but um, congrats, hats off to Florida. Um, awesome for them to come up. And it was a cold day. I was in Baltimore that day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so for these Florida kids that are used to like 80 degrees every day, it was a nasty, you know, 28, um, you know, maybe, maybe 32 at, at noon. I was watching the UMBC Georgetown men's game and it got really cold by three o'clock. Right. And that sun's not out on these winter days here. It's pretty bitter. It is, but it's an outdoor winter sport that we chose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, you know, we can't I know. I'm, I keep looking at the weather for our start of our high school season next week and looks like 50 and rain. So I can handle that. Yeah. 50 and rainy sounds fantastic. Yeah. Right. Not it's too a bad. A lot better than snow. <laughs> exactly. I can at least so get out on the turf. All right. Changing gears. Um, as usual, we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting. Um, but actually the topic today is stop worrying about recruiting. You should talk, think about your high school season. Yeah, exactly. So I just give some advice to some of my 21s that are still not committed and my 22s that are, you know, getting anxious about the start of summer. I said, really just have to get better every day. Focus on your high school season, get on the field or be better than when you were on the field from last year and crush it so that when you do have the opportunity to go in front of these college coaches, whether it be at a clinic at the end of the spring or beginning of the summer, you're ready. Um, stop worrying about, you know, trying to get seen or what's going to happen or where am I going to be like get better so that when they see you they're like oh I do have a spot and I want this kit because you worked on it this season and when you think about getting better I mean everybody's like get better get better um let's break it down a little bit so um you know pretty obvious with fitness but you know that's really really important mm -hmm. fitness is huge that's a work ethic thing though you know I think when push comes to shove if you're going to be at a clinic and you're not that fit, you'll, if you're tough, you'll figure it out. Stick work is huge. Like you can control that. You can get on the wall. You can do whatever you need to do to just, you know, get good at catching every bad pass, every good uh, pass. Like you need to take advantage of the reps that you can be in control of. Um, and like I said, it to a couple of my girls. I'm like, Hey, like it's going to come down to the person that I can believe is going to catch and throw them you know, make the plays out on this high school season. So you're in control of that leading up to the season. Um, yeah, so stick work, obviously. Um, wall ball, everybody kind of knows that. There, there are some, I mean, uh, me personally, I, I think when you're going to do wall ball, you, you, like you said in reference earlier, you really need to challenge yourself. I mean, if you're doing like 50 right and 50 left, playing catch with the wall. I right, we do 1,500 reps three times a morning, and it, your arms are dying, but I'm doing – like so many different things also be athletic hit the wall hard there's nothing worse than someone that throws the ball like really wow. high and it comes back at like an angle that you would never catch a pass in a game yeah. and you're like standing flat-footed like be on your toes move around a little bit throw some bad passes change it up yeah you have to make it game like yeah no doubt um but i also think that one of my favorite things to do that for stick work that almost nobody does is I call it crank passing. I would just watch that video of yours last week, yeah. And you just have the kids stand um, about 20 yards apart and they pretty much shoot it at each other um, and have to catch a pass that's coming at them like a shot. Yeah. And, um, obviously in men's lacrosse, you obviously have a helmet on. In women's lacrosse, it scares the heck out of me. Make yeah. sure you spread your, if you have a whole team, do not let the girls be like right next to another <laughs> pair which is, which is where they will originally set up until you tell them to move <laughs> but it's amazing how players two things one how not used to throwing or receiving a ball that's coming at them with that kind of pace mm -hmm. and then two how it translates to a game when all of a sudden your players are used to this, they will fire passes to each other. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. And honestly, watching that video the other day, I was 
going through it, I was like, oh, remind me of one day at practice. I don't know whether it was like a hard Tuesday practice or what we were doing when I was in college and Kelly Scotty and whoever it might have been Ann and uh, the other assistant coach at the time, I forget what year it was, just literally lined up and ripped, ripped passes at our faces. We'd have to run through the catch and throw it back to them. And at first we saw like the first pass and we were like, oh my gosh, like, but then it was like competitive, like who who's not going to drop the ball? Like, and we used to do that drill and just get ripped passes from our coaches. And like, occasionally some people would get hit. You'd have to like brush it off, get to the back of the line and catch the next one. Yeah. Um, like Hannah, yeah, I, touch it, you can catch it. Yeah. When I do it with people cutting for catching and feeding, I usually use a tennis ball just so that I, I don't have to worry about somebody not catching it. Cause right. Yeah. For little kids, catch. I would probably use a tennis ball, but as you get older, you need to, you need to be able to catch it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I want to talk about a concept and as it relates to one-on-ones and mm-hmm. a concept that um, I learned this from Andy Towers, the PLL chaos head coach. He used to teach face-offs starting at the very end. And then it was basically starting from the end and moving the opposite direction rather than what everybody thinks of is start at the beginning. So I want to talk about one-on-ones mm-hmm. in that concept. So Whenever you think about one-on-ones, everybody just starts at the beginning and they start with like, you know, a split dodge or whatever move right. it is that they're initiating with. Um, but really, the part that gets worked on the least that might be the most important is the end, which is basically, yeah. how are you going to get your shot off? For sure. I, I just had this conversation, I think it was either with Alyssa Leonard or with a couple other people this weekend. And talking about lacrosse and how like you watch all these people do a million drills or like a million steps and then they take like the worst shot ever you're like what he did all that work just to like drop your stick and throw it at the goalie's stomach or like shoot improper form so I totally agree you got to get a lot of correct shooting reps and have a repertoire of type of shots to pull off and it's like this is where shots and dodging are 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 sort of commingled Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're learning how to get a shot off with a defender on you. So you have to sh- execute a particular shot, but you, but you also have to figure out how to get it off. And honestly, a rocker move is probably the easiest way to, you know, to, to, as a starting point is like, you know, fake your inside roll or fake your roll back and mm-hmm. shoot it around your defender with a screenshot. And it's an important thing to know, too. Is I, I see this as so important for women's across and girls across. Learning how to shoot it around your defender, around their legs. If you shoot it around their upper body or even their hip, you, you might get a yellow card for yeah. getting a shot of some kind. But if you shoot it around their legs, you probably won't. And, um, you know, you can also, like, pull it low to high from there. Yeah. You know, um, good goalies will go right down when your stick goes down. Um, not so good goalies, you might be able to beat them low to low, but you really got to learn both low to low and low to high on right. that screenshot. That, um, yeah. that lefty attacker from Michigan is great at that. What's yeah. That? You know what I'm talking about? Is that Muir? I can't remember her name. She's a total stud. I, wa- I remember her last year when she would just get there to the, you know, to the to five and five by the angle inside right. and she would rock her and shoot screenshots and it was just like unguardable. We'll have to chat to Hannah about her. See yeah, how it gets uh, a little bit. And the last thing I'd say is shooting. And, and I want to talk about shooting because there's a lot of people put a lot of time into shooting um, and just, just finally so, because it's really one of the most important skills. Um, but I want to talk about shooting on goalies versus shooting on empty nets. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I certainly believe you can work on your shooting without a goalie in there, but you can't really work on your deceptive shooting without mm-hmm. a goalie in there. And deceptive shooting has to do with the fluency of understanding how to manipulate and move a goalie, either freeze them and handcuff yep. them so you can throw it low or get them to dip so that yeah. you can throw it high. Um, and I just want to get your thoughts on that because I think it's so key. I know, it's huge. I love, you know, getting the opportunity when my pen charter goalie here, Haley Hunt, who's a very good goalie, just wants to get those extra reps. So I'll tag it in with a lesson I'm doing or, you know, something like that. Really utilize when you have goalies just to – sometimes it's crazy how many times high school girls shoot at a goalie. Like just shoot it right at the goalie. You're like, so like really getting them trained to take that extra, extra second, be deceptive and put it around them is a huge concept that I don't think people get the opportunity to do it a lot because there's not that many goalies just sitting around ready to get ripped on for, you know, a half hour when you're trying to shoot. But it's huge. At practice, I always shoot with 
um, our goalies in the nets and do shooting drills and, you know, and I, if not, I'll try and even get, you know, cones up so they need to hit them or something, but making it more deception. But even a cone in the corner is not going to help with the deception we're talking about, you know. Um, That extra second is huge on a second, a half a second. Well, and also that there's a concept they always talk about in box across where it's, they they say that if if your stick had eyes, your stick will see things they'll see mm-hmm. they'll see net that your your own personal two eyes will not see right and, and that's so important one of the reasons why i think so many kids boys and girls will just hit a goalie and just plug the goalie is because right. they're shooting overhands and they actually need to reach around the goalie yes you know when you're in tight you, you're not going to see a lot of net because the goalie's kind of taking away this angle but you're if you reach around to the far side or if you twister it back to the near side, it opens up an immense amount of angle. And this is something that, you know, along with deceptive shooting in general, once, once you know how to do this, you can go practice on an empty net and practice it. But until you have the feel for this, mm-hmm. you won't know what to practice. Right. Exactly. And it's same. I mean, how important is a behind the back shot to have in your back pocket? Cause it gets that stick to the perfect, part of the net where you move the goalie one way and you get your stick back to more open net, but you don't know the angle to take unless you go against the goalie, you know, like you don't know exactly what step you need to be at or where they're moving to, or even if it's worth it, do you fake it behind the back and come back to get your stick more in front of the open net? So it's, it's interesting to watch younger girls evolve that part of their game. And it's such a feel for just, you know, knowing, do you shoot early? Do you take an outside shot? Do you come in? Do you move the goalie? You yeah. know, knowing both and having all type of things in your back pocket. I saw in the Syracuse uh, Stony Brook game that we talked about last week, um, Taryn Miller st- stuck a nice leaner. And uh, Michelli, Greg Michelli, their defense coordinator, texted me. He was like, I've been talking to her about that for two years. But for those people that not, don't know what a leaner is, when you come running in and you like sh- – as you're swinging, if you look down and lean forward, the goalies will almost always twitch. And they don't even need to collapse. All they need to do is twitch their stick a little bit, and that ball will, will, um, will go in. And the, and, and the thing is, the better the goalie, the more likely they are to read your body language, whether right. they realize it or not. So. Exactly. Yeah. No, I actually just worked on those type of shots with a group of girls right before I left for L.A. Just got a bunch of reps and worked on with their right and left hands and just trying to get them – to you know understand the body language is huge like how you move your body some people think they're doing it and they're not right how about um on the um on the outside shots um you're we're seeing more and more you you referenced it with usc were they taking a lot of eight meter shots and just hammering stuff that and also just off you know settled offense look into if they see that space, instead of running in for the defense to collapse on them, taking advantage of the space that they're got, like, you know, just stepping up on that eight and, you know, getting those arms back and cranking. I think it was Aaron Bakes just did like a righty half riser. And then his McMahon was just like a outside overhand lefty shot, but with power. Um, and you have to get a lot of power when you're taking those type of shots. You can't just take a little thinky shot. Yeah. and hope it's, you know, going to go in the net. There's a lot of deception, though, that goes along with those outside shots. And um, <clears throat> there's a particular technique that I love. I call it a low-high wind-up. And I learned it from watching Canadians and natives in box lacrosse. This is how they literally shoot almost every time. Um, and yeah. it's basically like it's, – and it, it, it works beautifully in eight-meter shots when you want to just crow hop and rip it. Right. It sort of starts with – a, a lot, right? Yeah, Lucy does yeah. it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like a low – you kind of start off with a low cradle, like you're going to go low underhand. Yep. Then you lift up. And as you lift up, the goalie is lifting up with you. Mm-hmm. And the key on this is there's two different kinds of deception. One is where the deception of where you're putting it. Right. So you're looking low if you're shooting it high. You're leaning left if you're shooting it right. But the more important deception is the when, of when you're releasing it. And so – this low high windup technique really helps. I learned this from this guy, Darius Kilgore, mm-hmm. one of the smartest lacrosse guys I've ever met, box lacrosse guy. And he always said, when you transfer your weight from your back foot to your front foot, a goalie is expecting the shot right then. And what I've noticed on film is that the goalies will actually take a false step. 
right before you shoot it because they think it's coming, but then it's not. Right. And then you just take the one extra second to pull your hands high. Yeah. You hold them up, hold them up, hold them, yank it low, or you hold them up and then lean and stick it far side high. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to just create this repertoire of, of deception and feel. And the truth is you don't have to shoot it as hard or as accurately when you're deceptive. And this is the advantage of deceptive shooting. Right. You can hit a, a spot the size of a watermelon if you're going to shoot deceptively, whereas you might have to hit the size of a grapefruit if you have to shoot the perfect shot and you're staring it down. Right. I mean, you watch even in like soccer, PK kicks, if you have that perfect amount of deception with your hesitation, you just have to tap it right in there. You know yeah. what I mean? Just get that goalie to bite. It's pretty much true in everything. I mean, the defense yeah. is always trying to be on time for whatever you're doing. And if you're not mm -hmm. being deceptive, you're giving them a chance. For sure. Well, Colleen, this has been a blast. Um, up next, we're going to be having a, a conversation with Michigan head coach and your best friend, Hannah Nielsen. How's it going, everybody? Really excited to welcome the Michigan head coach, Hannah Nielsen, to the Inside the Eight podcast. Uh, Hannah, how are you doing? Great to have you on. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Just, uh, just heading over to practice, just starting up in a little bit. So good to be here. Awesome. Well, we got a few questions, and I think Colleen's going to fire away first. Yeah. Um, so, Han, give us a little recap. I was obviously out at the game, got to watch you guys play. Um, tough loss, but what are your thoughts moving forward? What are you learning from it, and what's on the docket for the week? Yeah, really, really tough loss. I think we had it, you know, it was ours to, to win there at one point, and, and we just couldn't couldn't get over the line. USC was uh, a really tough team, though. I was really impressed with them. They got some great players, and their defense really shut us down in the second half, uh, that, that zone defense that we couldn't just quite figure out. But, um, look, proud of, proud of our girls for the way they fought, and there was a lot of good efforts. And, uh, you know, in, in any game, you take a lot away, uh, but especially out of a loss. So lots to work on. Uh, and really the focus into short week for us, fortunately. I think the girls are very eager to get another game happening to, to move forward. So we um, have a doubleheader weekend, um, starting with Louisville on Friday and Colorado on Sunday. Two, you know, really well-coached teams and two more zones for us to tackle and to try and get it right over the weekend. So we'll have a good hard practice today and then um, really start to set our sights on, on scouting and, and um, getting prepared for the weekend. Nice. You mentioned a uh, good hard practice. That was actually going to be one of my next questions. What would be, what's your hard practice consist of these days? A little mix of what we did in the past and what we did at Northwestern or what do you got on schedule? Yeah. You know, we've really this year more than ever uh, really tried to take in, uh, we, we use the polar heart rate system, which gives us a, you know, player load and uh, mileage for, for each practice. And we've really big cognizant of that this year. Just to make sure we don't overwork them, you know, last last year in preseason, we ended up with some injuries, I think, because we're doing too much. So, um, you know, we've really sort of been using that to plan out our practices. But, you know, a hard day, just, you know, some hard drills to start with. Um, you know, it's also a correction day from the weekend. So there'll be a couple of correctional drills, some conditioning in there uh, just to keep kind of the fitness up and um there's a little bit of end to end with, um, you know, but with it being a short week, we have to really be focused on kind of what we need to fix up and correct coming out of the weekend. So, um, you know, it's not, not overly long. Um, you know, it's about 90 plus, a little bit over 90 minutes today, but it's, it's fast paced, high intensity drills um, with a little bit of, you know, getting and playing while they're tired as well. So I guess a little similar to what we used to do at Northwestern. Hey, Hannah. Um, you were mentioning USC zone and, and the fact that Colorado and Louisville play a lot of zones. So a lot of zone, you know, offense, I'm sure being discussed, um, you know, and I know my, my experience is more in men's lacrosse and there's sort of certain things that kind of always happen in, in men's lacrosse zone offense, like carries and roll offs and throwbacks and double cuts. Um, and there's a little more two man game and picking and stuff going on now. What are some of the, generic stuff that you're working on that 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 is pretty common and effective in women's lacrosse zone offense yeah i think well we're certainly working on it more this week just based on the the limited success that we had but you know some of the things you mentioned a little bit of two-man game just to you know try and overload overload certain sides you know bring more people into certain uh, areas of, of zones 
Um, you know, one thing we took away from the weekend is just, you know, pushing gaps without the ball. And that's um, something I think we, we talk a lot about pushing gaps with the ball with our team. Uh, but something that we, we just didn't do a good job on the weekend was, you know, see a gap, you know, a gap being a, a space in between two defenders and, and pushing that gap hard with a cut uh, to, you know, maybe not even necessarily get the ball, but to at least draw multiple defenders to you and open up that second layer. Um, you know, so it's working, you know, working ball side, bringing numbers to the ball side, bringing it to the back side to try and open up either man up opportunities or, or 1v1 opportunities. Um, as well. So I think, you know, the off-ball movement piece is something that uh, we need to get better at. Um, but certainly, you know, within our offense, drag, carries, um, you know, drawing through, throwing back, um, little cutbacks, you know, not being able to be easily passed off in the middle, you know, and constantly having awareness of, of am I open? You know, I think a lot of players just kind of cut with their head down uh, and they don't actually realize when they get passed off. So kind of splitting those seams and, and flashing back the ball to to keep, you know, a lot of women's uh, defenses are running that rover, rover system so to try and, you know, occupy that rover to really open up the backside in the second layer, as I said. Right. Um, so you, you mentioned a couple things that I want to just um, ask about um, as a follow-up. So one is um, getting the ball backside and being able to just dodge, which I think is a little bit underrated in, in zone offense, in men's and women's lacrosse, you know, the fact is you need to dodge zones. You're not going to score a lot of goals if all you do is kind of carry, throw back, and move the ball. Right. Um, eventually, you know, slashing is, is important. Um, and then the other piece that I'd love you to speak to is it's just whenever I watch zone, um, zone teams, it seems like there's open people all the time, and it's just <laughs> like, why can't we find them? <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Frustrating. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think that's the reason why a lot of teams are playing it because you have to be, you know, you have to beat it. I think to beat a good zone, you have to have savvy players that can read defenses, um, you know, and that's something that I jump in. And I think I still got a little bit of lax IQ, but, you know, I jump in and you can, I kind of see how the defense rotates and you can kind of see what's open before it's actually open, at least yeah. from my perspective and trying to, we've done a lot of drills to try and teach that. And, you know, we're telling our players don't necessarily look at, your own jersey look at the other team's jersey to see you know did that position in the zone stay there or did they move in what becomes open if they do that um but at the end of the day you need to have good lacrosse iq and you need to have good stick work ability and uh being able to thread those needles um you know from low to high or um you know wing to inside or top to inside and being out of handle and um some of these zones collapse pretty quickly once you do that but um, I think, like you said, you know, we, we try and put a heavy emphasis on you've got to be able to dodge to initiate, uh, to overload that ball side to, to get what you want on the backside. Because, yeah, absolutely, if you're kind of just standing around the perimeter looking to jam it in, you know, balls are getting knocked down. They're not, you're not actually really creating uh, openings. So we really put a heavy emphasis on dodge. And if you get that 1v1 on the backside, you know, we, that's the strength of ours that we really want to try and try and create. If only you still had some eligibility and you could be the player coach. Like Reggie <laughs> oh, man. I'd love it. Going more on to transition a little bit, too, and from the draw, you guys actually did really well in the draw this weekend. I think you probably I think mm -hmm. you won 11 to 9 on the draws, um, mm -hmm. but lost some two big ones, you know, down at the end. You guys um, focusing a lot on that today, just like your draw work or the people on the circle, just doing extra reps. Um, that'll be, we'll do a little bit more of that tomorrow. Um, today's yeah. a bit larger, larger concept day. Um, but yeah, the last two, last two games we've done, you know, quite well on the, on the circle. We've won the stat, um, which, you know, usually results in, in a good day. But yeah, we, the last three draws we lost, we needed to win. And, um, but no, the, the, our draw takers have been, have been great at, doing a lot of individual work to really hone in on, on their craft there. And, and our circle players are just, you know, some of our best athletes, the scrappiest, most physical um, athletic players that we have. And so we've been really, really happy with their efforts over the last two games. And, you know, you speak about the transition portion. I think one area that's just been missing is I think on the weekend, we were a little bit too, too passive in transition and we need to be a little bit more, um, you know, assertive in what we're doing and, and really try and push the tempo to create more fast break opportunities. Yeah, which uh, me and Jamie kind of mentioned that it was definitely a lower scoring game that we're seeing right now. A lot of goals being scored across the country in this, you know, shot clock and 
uh, fast paced, the athleticism you're seeing everywhere. I did. I loved watching how hard your guys ride was though. They, they worked very mm -hmm. hard to, you know, turn back USC's defenders to eliminate as well. On the other side, a lot of fast breaks happening. Yeah. I mean, there was some unbelievable individual efforts as well as collectively the four attackers, you know, riding their butts off um, on the weekend. And that's something we, you know, we pride ourselves on. And, and um, you know, you, you're not going to be an attacker at Michigan if you don't ride. And that's, you know, the girls know that. Uh, they, they know how much I value it. And um, I think we've been, you know, last year we would ride really hard, but we foul a lot. And, um, you know, this year we've really put a, uh, you know, heavy emphasis on riding, you know, physically and uh, with physicality, but, but limiting fouls and, and not letting, us go man down on the other end from an offensive player, you know, getting a yellow card in the ride. So I've been really happy with, with our low attackers and just their, their effort, you know, every ride. And um, it's interesting when I, when you look at the polar data, you know, the attackers are some of the players who are, um, you know, generating the most mileage in a game. And that's because of how hard they ride all the way to the opposite 30, uh, which is what we asked of them. Yeah. Looked great. To follow up on the riding question, um, so two things. One is, what's your percentage of ride backs where you actually generate a turnover? What, what, what should it be in, in Division One women's lacrosse as far as a riding or clearing percentage? And, what, and how are you guys doing with that? And then the other question is, you mentioned trying not to foul, but it seems like a strategy actually with the free movement these days is to foul so you can just like stop a break and be able to like get everybody back. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like a foul in that regard isn't is is tactically sometimes smart. You know, I think I'm more more so talking about yellow cards. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got some pretty pretty aggressive attackers that um have had to rein in their checks. But yeah, certainly, you know, you're not wrong. You know, a foul out of transition um is is tactically quite a smart thing to do. Um, you know, in terms of you know, of course turnovers, it, you know, if we can get two or three a game, that's great. And I think the other um, you know, the other stat that we sort of look at is uh like how many seconds off the shot clock can we take you know if we yeah. can um if we can ride for 30 seconds you know and, off, and a opposition's you know team's offense only gets you know 60 as opposed to 80 seconds to work then you know that's obviously helping out our defenders as well yeah awesome that was uh that was the answer to my question colleen no i think i don't have any more questions really i'm excited for your next two games coming up this weekend jane you got any questions i got one more What's Go your favorite drill and your favorite skill right now? Huh. Favorite drill and favorite skill. Um, my favorite drill that we've been doing all preseason long is uh, it's basically a stick work against the clock drill. Um, got it from our men's team, actually. Uh, basically, it's eight-line passing, zigzagging up the field. Um, but there's only, there's only two balls allowed. So if you drop it, you know, you can't just pick up another ball. You have to get that exact ball. Uh, and you've how many completions you can go sort of up the zigzag and back down to the goalie. You know, that counts as one and it's how many you can get in two minutes. Um, so it's constantly, we do it each, each week and, um, you know, we constantly try and be beat our score from the week before, um, which is, which is funny. And you know, it's a very, very basic stick work drill, but it's great for transition and, and just great for kind of getting them going at the beginning of practice and, and get the energy going, uh, especially if they, if they actually beat the score. Yeah. Uh, favorite skill. Um, Oh man. Give us something, you know, something even that you're doing, you know, when you're subbing yourself in there on zone, uh, <laughs> on zone offense. <laughs> I've been doing, I mean, I've been doing a lot of feeding work without, without feeders. I think different types of feeds, not just the ability to, um, you know, pass forward, but being out of, you know, no look passes have been something that we've really put a, put an emphasis on with, with the two people behind the net. Body language facing one way, passing across your body, step back, you know, reattacks. So anything to do in the, in the feeding. Uh, and then when I get in at practice, trying to make sure I'm doing that so they can see what's, what's going on. But, you know, feeding hasn't been something that in the last few years we've, we've really honed in on just with everything else that we've had to focus on. But, but this year, um, you know, an extra half an hour a week is spent with those two just individuals just working on all the different types of feeds that there are and reading defenses and, and all of that. So um, my, my little baby is, uh, is getting a little bit more attention. <laughs> right, so I was going to say, I'm mean, you're a pretty good person to learn from in that regard. Pretty <laughs> deadly feeder. 
Peter back there. Yes. Well, it's interesting how when you break it down, how, how complex it is. You know, like for me, it comes so natural. And, um, you know, being able to hold your stick in an area that it's not going to be knocked down, but, and, and to play and to be able to dodge, but at any second get a feed off. And it's, right. it's made me learn how complex feeding actually is um, yeah. to kind of pick up and run. And how important it is to make a shorter feed rather than a longer feed. Yeah. And also uh, your, you know, your body at, at the correct speed. And, and again, like the body language, like a defender mm -hmm. can tell from a mile away if you're feeding, if you're not doing it right. So being out of, you know, the position of your stick and getting your butt end involved and the rotation of your shoulders. And, and, and it's been good for me to really kind of break it down uh, into a teachable way. And, and it's, it's been good. We've that's certainly improved and we'll continue to do it for the rest of the year. Yeah. It's funny watching younger girls play and try and feed from behind and they like, don't even know how to properly set up their their body you know, to be athletic. You know what yeah. I mean? The bounce back. The whole vertical stick feet. thing too. The, the yeah. vertical stick, the, the hand placement, like it's yeah. so easy to read. But if you've got a flatter stick and, you know, you're looking one way, but you're able to snap your wrist across your body, you know, there's, there's no chance the defender's knocking it down. So, yeah. um, you know, all, all things and collarbone passing, Jamie, which, you know, I, I kind of took away from one of your um, – passing presentations and, and just being able to sort of break down what that looks like and you know redirection without cradles part you know one little cradle can screw up everything and uh yeah so it's it's quite complex but it's been really really fun for me it is it's um it's funny because like when when little kids learn how to throw and catch they're learning the exact opposite thing you should do when you're feeding <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes exactly but we have to reteach it all that's right yeah so fun got it well good <laughs> luck good luck this week and Go get them this weekend. Back, yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, no playing against our old stomping grounds, the Buffs. I know. It's good to have the Buffs back out here and uh, <laughs> have Ann Anne and her staff, which will be a lot of fun. Won't be Boulder, Colorado weather, but um, maybe that'll be a home foot advantage for us. <laughs> well, exactly. Hannah, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, good luck this weekend. Go Blue, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, get you back on here sometime. Cool. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Okay. Yeah.